0: To start out by giving you two different Republican views of this budget. Uh, Our neighbor to the south here, uh, Speaker Paul Ryan, said, I welcome the President's blueprint for next year's budget, which turns the page from the last eight years. A little different view from the Republican Party comes from uh, Representative Hal Rogers. Who said, I'm disappointed that many of the reductions and eliminations proposed in the President's skinny budget are draconian, careless, and counterproductive. I don't think there's much question uh, as to which of the views that uh, we share here in Madison. We are, are, are closer to the uh, Representative Rogers view than we are to Speaker Ryan's. The cuts are devastating. This is not a budget that is uh, one prepared out of ignorance, but more one that is prepared out of malice. It is affecting every American, every state, every region of the country. Here in Wisconsin, it affects rural communities, Rural residents, as well as those who reside in our largest cities. The budget, as you know, eliminates community development block grant funding, the Home Investment Partnership, Economic Development Administration, Transit New Start grants, as well as Tiger grants, which I might point out are, are two of the mechanisms we were hoping to fund uh, expanded public transit service for Madison regional residents. It eliminates community development financial institution grants, energy assistance. It has a devastating effect obviously on the arts with the elimination of the National Endowment for the Arts, uh, the Agency for Public Broadcasting, As well as community service block grants and programs dealing with the environment. Here in in Madison, um, we'll see losses in terms of uh, block grant programming close to $5 million. The home program over $1 million and the impact on individual citizens and and agencies, whether we're talking about loss of funding to Project Home, to moving out, the Salvation Army, um, the Tenant Resource Center, Commonwealth and the Medicine Development Corporation, various chambers of commerce, Boys and Girls Club, The Goodman Community Center, the East Madison Community Center, with a list that goes on and on. I want to go back to Representative Rogers' statement about this being careless and counterproductive. One of the things we know is that if you want a secure, strong nation, you have to invest in the people. You have to invest in them, whether it is in Lone Rock, Janesville, or Milwaukee, or Madison. That investment is to education, it's to job training, it's to transportation, it's to health. And we haven't even gone into the cuts that are going to be made to the SNAP program as well as the WIC program hundreds of millions of dollars that are going to go out the window, lost in terms of the development of children throughout the, throughout the state, throughout the country. We're not going to make those investments, and in the decades to come, we will pay dearly. If we're already concerned about preparation for 4K, if we're already concerned about graduation rates and being competitive in an international marketplace, if we're already concerned about the health and well-being of the people of Wisconsin, it's obvious that we cannot consider this budget anything but devastating, and to welcome it as a blueprint for the future is not only nonsensical but extremely dangerous to the future of the country and our nation's security. We saw yesterday reports coming from Overture as to how this program is going to really impact all of the thousands of school children who get the opportunity to experience the arts. Well, it's the arts, it's nutrition, it's education, it's housing, it's everything. With this budget, President Trump basically took himself out of the nation's future and has left it in the hands of a badly divided Congress, And that's where we need to focus our attention in the next four months. We have to focus on the representatives in the House and in the Senate. Now, it's very clear that Senator Baldwin and Representative Pocan are going to stand with the people of this state are going to stand on the side of investing in the future and protecting us. We have yet to see Where Speaker Ryan, Senator Johnson, and Governor Walker will go when confronted with the reality that this budget is stuck and going nowhere, and they are going to have to make some decisions and make some commitments on behalf of the people of Wisconsin in regards to the future of federal priorities. I wish I could have responded immediately on this yesterday, but we had to do some analysis. Uh, we had to see what the impacts were uh, on our various agencies, and obviously it's not good. So I'll be glad to answer any questions. What's
1: the biggest, I mean, TVE looks like the biggest dollar figure that you're looking at here, but, I mean, impacts, what do you think is the biggest
0: concern for you? As much as CDBG and transportation funding is devastating, probably my greatest concern in terms of long-range problems, long-range devastation, is to the WIC and the SNAP programs and what that's going to cause in terms of hunger, malnutrition... And, and the implications for growing children. And that's funding that you know, really doesn't come to the city. That's directly to the people out there.
1: We were talking to Porchlight today, and they were essentially saying they get a huge chunk of CDBG funding, and it goes basically directly to dealing with people who are on the street, some of the most at-risk homeless in our community. Well,
0: when, when, when you look at, at who we fund... in in regards to the homeless. You've got Porchlight, Salvation Army. We've got the Home Program. We have so many programs that uh, address the needs of those without housing, without shelter. Um, (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's tough when you say, which is worse? Not dealing with homelessness or with the potential of malnutrition and illness for infants and toddlers. Um, all I know is that the lack of funding for both is critical to not fund is devastating. And, and we're, we're not seeing the leadership here. Um, you know, we're wondering if these cuts go through What's our obligation here in the city of Madison to make up the difference? To make up the difference in a uh, situation where our ability to raise the revenues is severely limited. But we're not hearing any of this from from the governor, uh, who's also been silent on the Medicaid and on the Affordable Health Care Act funding. Uh, you take all of this together, And uh, I've got images of what the United States looked like in the 1860s, the 1870s, following the Civil War uh, in terms of illness, in terms of poverty, uh, and, and a very bleak future.
1: The uh, Trump administration's budget director said with regard to some of these CDVG grants, like we can't ask people to keep, can't ask taxpayers to keep paying for programs that aren't working.
0: Well, there's two things wrong with that statement. And that really shows um, the ignorance along with the, um, the, 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 the mean political ideology that pervades the, the Trump White House. First of all, these programs do work. Uh, let's just go down the block to Rethke and see what, what can be done uh, with, with proper funding and, and organization. Let's look at uh, what, what's happening in terms of the families where parents without high school degrees are watching their children go to college. Let's look at what happens in the classroom when children are, are well-fed. Well so the assumption, the statement that these are programs that aren't working is just plain stupid, and I really believe it's driven by a, uh, a, a right-wing political ideology. That the taxpayers can't afford it is bullshit. That's the kindest thing I can say. What he's really saying is the 1%, the oligarchy that they're trying to create in this country doesn't want to pay their fair share of taxes. And what we've seen at the state level under Governor Walker and what we're watching in, in Washington with the Freedom Caucus and with the Trump administration is a refusal to have reasonable tax rates, particularly... For the wealthiest Americans, where now the gap in wealth between that 1% and the rest of us is so enormous that, that it's almost immeasurable, but it's not a problem to find the revenues. There just has to be the will, the will to find the revenues, to impose reasonable taxes. I mean, look at what Governor Walker has said. You know, if we get uh, the settlement from Volkswagen, the state's not going to meet its obligation in terms of fixing the devastated roads. They'll use the VW settlement money for this purpose. Any excuse they have, uh, they will, they will, they will use uh, to prevent reasonable taxation and reasonable responsibility for the wealthy of this country, the extreme wealthy of this country.
1: The President's plan is to use this cut funding and spend it on military, veterans, homeland security. What's your take on that piece of it?
0: Well, the one thing I'm curious about is uh, where he found the will to put more into taking care of veterans since the conservatives in his party have had a long history of sending men and women off to war to be wounded, to be killed, to be injured, and then not to take care of them upon their return. So certainly, uh, funds on behalf of veterans, uh, whether it's dealing with their health or their education, their housing is, is welcome. The cuts that are made in regards to uh, housing, nutrition, health, and then being put into the military are, are, are among uh, the most dangerous to our national security that, that I've seen in all the years I've been in office. There are problems around the world. They are problems that are fed by want, by misery, by hunger, by pestilence, and by more wars. If there was ever a way of making the world safer and more peaceful, it's by providing what we know works in this country. Shelter. Health care, hunger, uh, addressing hunger, um, the best in medicine, not bombs. Is this, it looks like this is not comprehensive
1: or this is everything the cities would be affected by?
0: or We don't have everything in yet because um, as I indicated there's some areas where we know cuts are coming such as in the area of nutrition, WIC, and SNAP, but we don't know the size and proportion. Is that,
1: that the state energy, some of
0: that's administered through the state but, but a, the, the, the bottom line is how much is in the federal budget to, to go for these, uh, these activities? Are
1: there any projects or programs that like, you know that you have CDBG money in the pipeline that could just stop in its tracks? Because like, some of the things on this list, I think, are things that may have been paid for with CDBG money in the past.
0: Well, you know, go to the Salvation Army and ask them if they lose their CDBG money. What they do in regards to impoverished families and providing them temporary shelter. What's going to be cut out? Uh, go to uh, Porchlight, do the same. Um, uh, check in with all the neighbor, ten neighborhood centers and ask them what what happens when they lose their CDVG funding, uh, and specifically what happens in terms of economic development in terms of Commonwealth and the Madison Development Corporation. I mean, yesterday we, we saw somewhat of a report uh, from Overture as to what it means to their programs. But all of these agencies, all of these agencies will be will be impacted. The neighborhood centers in, impacted be, will include the Boys and Girls Clubs, Uh, Viracort, East Madison Community Center, Wilmar, Goodman Community Center, Kennedy Heights, Lucier Community, Viracourt, and of course Common Groundworks and our garden, our community garden program would be devastated. You know, and I, I keep going back to the question you asked, programs that don't work, I mean, when, when you look at uh, the communities and how this money has been invested and the beneficiaries, I mean it was known since Jane Adams founded Hull House over a hundred years ago, the benefits of neighborhood based facilities and what it does in all these areas of health and education and training and so on. Um, when, when, when you look at uh, what's happened with the young people who've gone through some of our job training programs and what, what the consequences of that is, are there instances of mismanagement? Are there instances of failure? Yes. There's some small percentage that doesn't work. And... Sometimes it's the result of experimenting. I mean, the private sector gave us the Edsel. Netscape no longer exists. We we, we all try some things out that don't work and learn from it. But here we are with proven programs, proven activities, and... To make that kind of, of statement is is, is is just silly. If you want to be constructive, help us invest in our data efforts, where we're trying to best measure uh, the success of these programs and activities. Give us money to improve. Give us the funding uh, to make it make a difference. You know, I look at. Uh, what we've done in regards to both city employment and our partners in the private sector. And I go back to what I said earlier. Um, Families where parents never finished high school. And now we're seeing uh, their children and their grandchildren graduating college, physicians. Uh, I wouldn't want to know that I'd boast about attorneys, uh, but in productive work and, and, and raising their, 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 their families. This is what it's about. Yeah.
1: In terms of the politics of this, uh, between the healthcare care law and this, we've seen a lot of cuts to programs that help rural folks, that help older folks, people who voted for Trump. Just in your opinion, where is the turning point when it comes to some of these folks that trusted him?
0: All right, I I, I read an article the other day, uh, With interviewed about a dozen people who voted for Trump. And they basically, most of them said they still supported him because he was doing what he set out to do. He's making good on his promises. He's cutting these programs, for example. Um... He's reducing taxes. He's reducing regulation. Now the question is, when they see the consequence of this, how do they feel? How do they feel when they understand that programs that provide food and nutrition, subsidized transportation, take care of needed housing, are being slashed. Now maybe it's going to take a few months, uh, before or a few years before all this, in effect, kicks in. But I think you've raised a very interesting question, and you know, I'd love to go to Lone Rock, and and to Schulzburg, uh to uh, Uh, Marshfield, and Horicon, and Ashland, and ask the folks, is this what you wanted? Is this the consequence? And in those communities, get the numbers. What does this mean in terms of how many families in that community are going to go without food and nutrition? What does it mean in terms of, 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 of housing? Uh, for, for those communities? That, that is the question. That really is. Because we didn't vote for him. So political consequences from Madison, Wisconsin, and Dane County aren't going to ring anybody's bell. But in those communities where he did receive support, and when they feel the real consequences of this I mean they were they were angry and legitimately angry as to the direction this country would been going in uh, for decades in regards to how low income families were treated um, and and They're seeing some really uh, enormous problems right now. Uh, The heroin and the opioid epidemic is more rural than it is urban. The transportation challenges in some ways are greater because at least we've got a functional public transit system. But what they did is they voted for Donald Trump who basically said I'm going to help you get even with the folks who've been screwing with you even though he was one of them over the last several decades well does getting even make your life better I don't think it does And that's the dynamic that's playing out in all of this um, we all know about the politics of resentment. There's another book called Strangers in Their Own Land, which is a very similar book, also by a sociologist, uh, in this case a sociologist from California who went to Louisiana. And what we see in these, in these, in these studies, in these books is this tremendous amount of anger oftentimes tragically misdirected and maybe the trauma of this budget will stop the working people of this country the impoverished people of this country from fighting among one another and demanding economic and social justice That, that, that is so badly needed and saying no we don't want tax cuts we don't want uh, for the very rich we don't want an oligarchy we want an economic democracy do you
1: have
0: Thoughts on how the private sector and philanthropic community would, if if
1: these things were to come to pass, what do you think would happen in Madison in terms of the private sector and philanthropic community?
0: There is no way they have the, 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 there's no way the private sector, the philanthropic community has the capacity to make this up. There might be isolated communities with one. very sensitive to very uh, attuned uh, philanthropists but in terms of the remaining 95% of this nation uh, no way can the private sector make this up specifically in Madison Um, well I know a little bit about giving um Philanthropists have specific areas of concern and focus and rarely, rarely give outside of those areas. So, first, we've got to have the philanthropist. Secondly, we've got to have one who's focused in this area. And thirdly, there's another barrier that philanthropists uh, oftentimes will not cross, and that is... They will not make up what government should be doing. They will add value to what government is doing, but they won't step in to make it up. And uh, I got a feeling that that's that's going to be a big part of it.
1: Make
0: it up. Exactly what we're encountering. So if um, if you have an agency that annually receives, hundred thousand dollars from government and a hundred thousand dollars from a philanthropic nonprofit donor. they'll give the hundred thousand and they'll add to that hundred thousand. but they won't go in and if the government's hundred thousand is cut, make that up. They won't allow their dollars to be substituted. They insist that their's be dollar add, uh, value added, not a replacement for. Uh, just give you an example involving the city. If we are putting in, say, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to subsidize transit rides for low-income families, we might get a donor out there who will write a check for ten thousand to add to it. But the moment we cut that two hundred and fifty thousand, they stop giving. They will not allow their dollars to be substituted for government. And, and I've been through that I mean I, I worked uh, on a foundation board uh, I've been involved in extensive donation programs uh, I, I, I have f- some knowledge as to how that world works and operates the uh... If, uh, these go through
1: um, what do you, how would you describe the next couple of years in Madison? What would the next few years look like without, you know, access to money for affordable housing and the SNAP and the WIC programs? And
0: well, if the budget goes through, uh, I would start out with housing. And I would start out by saying that, um, I start out by saying in terms of housing that, all of our estimates and our projections that we have met in regards to creating 1,000 new affordable units um, is going to have to be revised and shrunk. That's the first thing. Secondly, uh, our efforts to end homelessness, uh, whether it's through shelters or interim housing, is going to take a major setback, and that situation will probably worsen. So that's the short on. Well, one one more thing, with with the cuts in the home program, um, getting low income families into adequate housing separate from our goals for new construction, those two will 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 grind to a halt. Um, in terms of health, particularly where there's disparities, disparities based on race and disparities based on rural versus urban, those disparities will worsen. While everybody's health uh, will, will overall take, take a hit, those who are most vulnerable, those with the least access, remote re- rural areas, those who are impoverished um, will, will be affected. And that will not only affect the individual's health, but that will have a profound impact on what happens in the classrooms. Um, in regards to that extra step in education where so many children need and get assistance after school, on the weekends, in terms of their academic performance, mathematics, language skills. When you look at the role of all these community facilities in supporting, whether it's tutoring or mentoring, that will take a hit. And again, that will be the most vulnerable Low income African American kids, Latino, uh, Hmong families here in Madison, and regardless of race, it'll occur in rural Wisconsin. Um, transportation and the environment will take a major hit. Uh, our efforts to expand public transit which has an economic benefit to the riders and which clearly has an environmental benefit uh, in regards to climate change, will take a step back. And, of course, uh, that is of little meaning to people who don't believe in climate change. Um, One of the greatest contradictions... And um, this this is really interesting, is the problems of mental health and drug abuse. So I want to step back for a second and go back into the 1980s and the 1990s and the war on drugs and particularly what it did to black communities in regards to crack cocaine and the culmination of so many lives in prison Um, long, long prison terms. So now come up to the present, and we have the opioid and heroin problem. So first, suddenly we have a more enlightened leadership in state and federal government for this principally white epidemic, and we're starting to have a more humane and reasonable approach to the substance abuse and the mental illness that goes oftentimes with it. And we're seeing efforts here in the Wisconsin legislature to address that and to fix it. It's a lot better than we did 30 years ago. Well, this budget proposal completely undercuts it. I mean, one of the most devastating things between this budget and what's going on with the Affordable Care uh, Health Care Act is a contradiction of taking major steps backwards. So you know, I could go on um, in regards to some of the EPA work that's being devastated in terms of cleaning up waterways, in regards to brownfields, but in virtually every aspect of government services which directly improve people's lives. It's almost as though someone said, let's take a list of all the great things we are doing to make the lives better for the most Americans, regardless of their race, regardless of where they live, urban, rural, north or south, and let's devastate those programs. Now that I think about it, You know, when I was growing up, the great fear was communism. What would happen if communists took over the government? I can't imagine them ever doing anything as effective as this to undermine and destroy this nation. Have a good weekend on that happy note. Any other questions? Okay, thank you.